Hello and welcome back to the Advancing Man Project show. My name is Dave Whitley and today I have my personal friend Ryan Stemper who is the owner of CrossFit Whole Strength uh, local to me in Nashville. Actually there's two locations and uh, the website for that if anybody's wow. local and wants to know about it is uh, wholestrengthcrossfit.com. Um, we first met a couple years ago through some mutual friends and um, hit it off, been to his gym several times, done workshops there. Um, if the gym was close to me, I would be going to it all the time. And, um, I know that, that, um, if you've known me for, for a while, you know, that there've been times that I've thrown rocks at CrossFit's philosophy in as a generality, but over time I've come to realize that is more about the coaching and the staff than it is about the methodology itself. And when I first met Ryan and started talking to him and learned about his approach, um, and I'm just going to talk like I'm talking to you because I am. When I when I first met you, and yeah. learned about your approach yeah. and the the four pillars that you brought into the the locations that you have and and with the people that you're working with, it impressed me. I was immediately enamored of it. Obviously, movement slash strength is part of what goes on in any gym like that. Right. Uh, nutrition has to be a key element if we're going to get people the best results possible. So those are two kind of a given, but the two things that, that make up the other two of the four pillars that you have that are fascinating to me and really impress me are sleep, which I think doesn't get enough, uh, doesn't get enough attention or doesn't get enough accolades, particularly from the, the, fitness influencers that, you know, I up at 3am to do the grind and I got more done by six right. than you'll get done all right. week and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, let's see how your adrenals are doing in a few years. And then the other one, of course, is um, the topic that I think gets overlooked even more so than sleep and recovery and rest. And that is bringing the correct mindset or the correct mental attitude to make progress in there. So those four pillars within your philosophy are, um, um, something that I've admired about you and your approach from the very beginning. So I think it would, it would be a good place to start is to just talk a little bit about that and how you, how all that came to be at whole strength CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, you know, we've been uh, in this space for a decade um, and we started out the, the, the name whole strength. Cause we were trying to take, it's kind of a play on words, but more of a, a, a whole looking at the whole individual, looking at a more of a um, all encompassing or holistic type approach. Right. And that's super cliche, kind of trendy, kind of way to look at things some ways. But what do we mean by that is like there's multiple pillars that go into fitness, right? And and I'm using the word fitness synonymous with health. Um, and 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 that's kind of one of the things that I took from CrossFit back in the early days, right? Is like, you know, what is what is health? What is fitness, right? But it's not just, you know, it clearly is not just about working out or moving your body, but that's part of it, right? We and I, we, we say movement is one of our pillars because physical movement happens outside of the gym too, right? And it's like moving well, you know, I mean, Greg Cook says, what move well, move often, right? And it's like, you know, kind of that philosophy, right? That we can train that in the gym. We can learn really good movement patterns in the gym that hopefully we can replicate out in the real world and we're moving our body to the real world. Um, there's a great book called, I think it's called Move Your DNA. Um, mm -hmm. And the lady who wrote the book, her, her name is just uh, slipping my mind right now, but um, she's, she goes in, she's like a biomechanist and she like goes into like, even like the power of movement on the cellular level, mm. um, you know, beyond things that we typically think about being movement related. 
So that was one of them, right? And obviously we're into movement. We're CrossFit. We, you know, we we love to get people moving well and exercising. And then nutrition, you know, huge one. Obviously, you know, you, if you've been around the fitness space, like you said, those two seem like a given, right? And, and I think culturally we've been talking about nutrition, you know, since the 60s at least, you know, I mean, as far as like nutrition is like a diet thing, you know, I mean, I think if you go back way back, you know, I don't think people probably obsessed about their nutrition as much if you go back a hundred years, right. As we do now, as far as they just ate, they just ate what they could eat. Right. But now it's become a thing. There's a, you know, a study of, of topic that we have to look at, but nutrition. It's, obviously it's interesting that you, it's interesting you say that about going back. Cause um, one of my favorite authors, Wallace Waddles wrote a book called the science of being great. No, no, no. The science of being well. Mm -hmm. And in there he addresses okay. nutrition and it was written Oh, probably between 1910 and 19, between ni 1900 and 1912, something like that. So he was talking about some of it is, uh, has not aged well. Some of the, the content is in there, but some of it, um, like the, the, the biggest thing that, that I took away from that is, um, the type of food is not as important as the quality of the food. And, mm, and yeah. he was, he was a very big proponent of eating free from distraction and thoroughly, thoroughly chewing the food. And as you chew it to until the point it gets liquefied, experience that in your mouth and, and with your other senses and, and smells and stuff. And to do it with other people with an attitude of being grateful for the food itself. So I think that like that core bit of it is something that's definitely applicable today. And I'm, I interrupted you, but uh, I want to I want to hear you keep going with that. No, no, totally. I mean, I love that. I mean, that's I mean, that's precision nutrition like john brardy way back in the day i mean that was like the foundational things to teach people was slow down eat mindfully right eat till satisfaction but don't overeat right and then chew your food i mean it sounds so basic and and, it, and it's, it's it's super powerful which is mm -hmm. generally is kind of a rule of thumb like the most basic things tend to be the most powerful things but i think people overlook it and they look they they automatically go to like some fab diet or you know, I got nothing wrong with counting macros. Don't get me wrong. I sure. think that can be beneficial for people, but, but people who like just jump to like, I got to count macros. And it's like, well, maybe there's some more foundational things we should work on first before we work, worry about our macros. Right. You know? Right. But uh, anyway, but yeah, so back to nutrition, you know, like, I mean, that's pretty, pretty obvious, but then those other two pillars is like sleep and mindset. You know, I mean, there's so much good research around the power of sleep. And I, I, I say this lovingly, but my uncle um, when, when I graduated from high school, it was just tw over 20 years ago, uh, when I went to college, he was like, Ryan, you can sleep when you're dead. He, he was an old Vietnam vet. And he's like, you sleep when you're dead. Right. <laughs> and uh, he's like, the night's like a whole nother day. And, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, and I love my uncle, but it, it was like, that never even not the greatest advice. Right. Right. But it's like, you know, you, you know, so that sleep is so powerful. Look, you know, we know more and more and more. Now, one of the things that we're, as a, as a, what we do as a coaching business and as a gym is trying to figure out how to help people optimize sleep. Um, and, and that's, that's really an unknown territory right now in the fitness space, right? It's not super well understood, like how we can help clients, but it's still one of our pillars. And then that last one is the mindset, right? Well, I think, you know, you know, we, anyone who's been around fitness long enough knows that the body goes where the mind go, leads, right? And it's like, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'll coach, you know, a class here or whatever, or coach, you know, some people in a, in a, in a 
in, in the gym. And I'll talk about sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll riff on internal dialogue and it's like, man, whatever you're saying, it, and we'll always have it, right? It is always something going on in between our ears uh, internally, whatever you're repeating to yourself, right? Your body's going to follow that, right? Um, and so we, we, um, we have some simple rules that we try to like help people with learning how to speak. Uh, one of them is learning how to speak in affirmations versus negations. Right. And so like just learning how to switch things in your mind to speak in the affirmative versus speaking in the negation is huge. And that took me a long time to figure out what that meant. Um, because I was like, speak affirmatively. Is that like positive talk, like everything's roses and rainbows. Clearly in life, not everything is roses and rainbows, right? There's a lot of challenges in life. Sure. Right. But it's not that. It's it's learning how to speak things in in um you're saying what's going to, what you're going to do or what's going to happen versus what you're not going to do. Right. And that's a powerful change for people. So well, I think that, that but that's how it came about just self-evolution, man. We just like needing to help people and on the ground. And you're like, wow, you're coming to me because you want to work out, but you got a lot of mindset things here that are under the surface. And as soon as that starts to work out and you work out in the gym man, those mindset things start to like bubble to the surface. And you're like, oh, there's a lot more here than just uh, working out. <laughs> yeah, I um that that triggers a memory for me of uh, it's been a long time ago, but I was in a in a Facebook group, something health, fitness, diet related, something like that, and there was conversation going on, and this girl that I didn't know, still don't know, just had a few comments back and forth with, um, she was talking about like everything that she said was something about her body that she didn't like. And, and I know I need to do this, but I can't because of, you know, fill in the blank with whatever reason. It was just a lot of that kind of stuff. And people were attempting to help guide her by giving her practical tactics she could apply. And I, I, I saw that like every every person who tried to help her was met with some reason as to why that wouldn't work. And, uh, but she was going to try really hard and all that kind of stuff. And it, she just kept talking about how much she hated her arms. And I don't know specifically what mm. it was. I think maybe she had, you know, some, some jigglies or something. She was um, definitely in there because she w was carrying around body fat that she didn't want to be carrying around. And she just kept talking about how much she hated her arms and hated her arms. And, um, conversation kind of subsided and I didn't think much about it until I don't know, a week or so later. Um, I reached out to her in a message to see how she was doing. And she had gone to some sort of a boot camp type class. that was outdoors um, for, uh, it was either really low cost or, or free because that was one of the things she was complaining about is she didn't have enough money to hire someone to, to teach her the right way to do things. Right. Whatever it was that, that this, alleged coach in quotes had her doing wound up with her falling somehow and fracturing both of her wrists, both of them. And I'm like, how interesting, how interesting that you spent all of this energy in this group talking about how much you hate your arms and then wound up rendering them useless or wound up damaging them. Right. And I'm like, there's a definite, connection there and that sort of stuff and that that was one of the the early things that got me thinking about mindset as it applies to helping people within the fitness 
space, right? Um, for the longest time before that, I thought it was just, you know, you got to have the mindset of I'm going to go do it and all that. But like, the the more I, the more I paid attention to that, and the more I learned about how the mind actually works, and particularly how it works in conjunction with the body, the more I'm like, the mind's driving everything. Because you know, there's this, there's a lot of folks who be like, we just got to get up early and go do it. And then once you start your body moving, everything else will fall into place. And I'm like, okay, there's some validity to that. However, if the mind doesn't get the body out of bed in the first place, then that's where you're falling off, right? It you you've got to start looking at it as a mental construct first, and that's one of the things I think that you guys do really well is um, people come in thinking that they want to work out, but then they once they're there, they realize that working out is leading them to loving themselves more. Right? No, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And it's like you you know with that story you're sharing, it's like interestingly i think when we understand how the mind works a little bit better we understand that she's like saying i hyper i i hate my arms or whatever right and that almost that weird hyper focus on the arms is probably limiting her actually from actually changing anything mm -hmm. right and so it's like you know it, all you're catching is arms 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 hate 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 right mm -hmm. and it's like that the mind is kind of subconsciously reading that right and you know, we there's a great book um, that I read years ago that's called Switch by Chip and Dan Heath, and they 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 go into I mean I, every book that I've ever read from those guys is, is amazing, but they go into like you know kind of what's happening some of that change psychology stuff. You know, some people say oh people don't ever change, well, that's not true. People change all the time. They tend to change for irrational and illogical emotional reasons, but mm -hmm. they change all the time, right? And so like you know what what is it right well we have to understand that there's like the and i this is one of the things i love when you you came in and talked to our team a while back and i know you talk about all this a lot but it's like what's happening on the subconscious mind what's happening in the conscious mind right and what are those things that are those kind of base habits versus what are those conscious decisions and uh, they they refer to it in the book is kind of like you have like these sides to the two sides to the mind you have like the they call it an elephant and a rider, right? Mm -hmm. The elephant is like the basal side of the human experience, right? Like those base emotions, right? Hunger, uh, sex drive, you know, um, emotional responses, anger, right? Loud lashing, right? And then you have the driver or the rider of the elephant, which is like the willpower mind, right? It's like, right. The, it's like the higher level thinking, right? And when this elephant is subdued, right? When then the rider can steer that elephant. But when the elephant is not subdued, man, that elephant gonna go wherever it wants to go, yep. right? Or more, maybe more accurately, that elephant is gonna go where it has gone in the past, right? And so that's where we as coaches, what we try to do with our business is we try to help people start to craft, like craft a new path, right? So that when that elephant, that basal side of the human experience, when it gets overrun right when it happens to all of us we can start to shift it in a different direction where it's like if after a stress and, and and that's a huge shift for people right after a stressful day you know maybe in the past after a stressful day it's like i'm gonna go hit mcdonald's and crush you know four double cheeseburgers well over time is there a way and i gotta throw you get double cheeseburger i don't care right but yeah. it, but over time is there a way to shift that so that when I have a stressful day, 
what I do is I go to the gym. I go to the gym. I get a workout in because I'm, you know, man, what a powerful shift. That's a huge shift, right? Um, And that's kind of that mindset thing where it's like you're shaping the path um, that that elephant in their book, right? The elephant can walk on. So, but I know you talk a lot about the subconscious. Sure. Sure. Subconscious is, uh, it's the... It, it is the elephant, right? If you, if you don't give it any, right. if you give it the directions that you want, it'll do way more than you're capable of, of uh, way more than what you think it's capable right. of. Um, if you don't give it any yep. directions, then it's going to do, like you said, whatever's familiar and whatever is, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, whatever seems safe because of that familiarity. Right. Um, yeah, the, that's right. You know, 100%. like you said a minute ago, that shift from from stress eating to stress relief movement is um, that's a huge thing that that a lot of people obviously uh, deal with. And, you know, uh, I was brought up that way. You know, I was I've talked about this many times that when I was a kid, food was involved in everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're happy let's celebrate. Here's a birthday cake, right? Oh, you're it's, it's Christmas. Let's have a big Christmas dinner. You know, um, you're, you're sad. Oh, let me here, eat this candy. It'll make you feel better. And it did, you know? And so it, it became the great mood regulator for me as a kid. And I know that a lot of, a lot of grownups, my age and younger as well, um, and older, um, have that same sort of experience. And it's no, it's no surprise that a company like say McDonald's, because they're the ones that are probably the most famous for pioneering marketing to children in order to get the adults to come and do this. I mean, they invented the happy meal. They invented putting the toy in. Right. Um, and, and it was brilliant right. and I commend them for it. But when that becomes the, the, the default thought or the default behavior for everything, it can get tricky later on. And, you know, in the past year or so, since I started the advanced demand projects and stuff, I have been more and more focused on how to help parents and children to, to have a better relationship, how to help parents um, raise children who are emotionally well-regulated, physically healthy and, and developing good habits, all that sort of same, same sort of stuff. So I'm curious, um, I'd like to hear you talk a little bit about when you have adults, that come into your gym and they have children. You have parents that come into your gym um, and they flip that switch in their mind. They've made the decision, you know, in the, in the, the truest sense of the word of decision, which literally means to cut off from any other possibility. That's what a true decision is. Anything else is just stating a preference. Um, so a mm-hmm. true decision, you've, you've, you've burnt your bridges behind you. And this, the adult comes in, the parent comes in and they start taking control of their health. How does that, um, how does that experience at whole strength CrossFit sort of drip down from the, from the parents to the kids? And I'm particularly interested in younger kids, you know, kids under 10. Um, what sort of, uh, sort of results or, uh, phenomenon have you observed in relation to that in your experience? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think 
you know, we have, we've been, uh, it's again, a decade in, and we've had lots of families, and we have lots of families right now, including my own, right? And I think one of the things that I love, and we've seen over the years, is when parents bring their kids into the gym, and maybe it just starts by just them hanging out and watching while their parents are working out, but we've seen it time and time again where, parents, where kids start to really, like, feel, they feel really comfortable in the environment, right? And maybe their parents... It was tough to get in the gym. They weren't comfortable being in that environment. There was a lot of fear of the unknown, but their kids are like, man, this is just like, I've been seeing my parents do this forever. So it's cool to watch that, right? They're, they don't, the kids don't have to overcome the fear of the environment. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of it comes down to fear of what people think, you know, oh, maybe I can't keep up or maybe I'm not fit enough or, you know, whatever. Maybe I won't know how to do this movement, right? And you see the kids and they just get in there and they just, it's just, they're just having fun. They're just playing. Yeah. It's a game to them, you know? And that, that I think is one of the unique things about children, right? They, they can turn it into a game, right? And I think as adults, we tend to forget, forget that, right? And the power of, of, of that game. Um, yeah. But, you know, so we've seen that for sure a lot um, on the nutritional stuff. You know, we, we talk about a lot when people sign up, you know, we'll ask them if they, you know, just usually in casual conversation, you know, I usually kind of ask them if they have kids, married, whatever, right, you know, um, and really what I'm trying to start to tease out there is that if they are in a family dynamic, what is that family dynamic at home when it comes to nutrition, right, because um, I, I wish I could get the quote exactly right again, it's, I think it's a John Berardi quote, but it's like, uh, if you have food in the house, you, someone you like, or someone you moderately tolerate will eat that food or something like that. It's like a quote like that, right? Yeah. It's like the idea there is like, you know, if, if one person is trying to eat a certain way, right. But everyone else is eating a different way. Right. Well, that's probably not going to work long-term. Right. You know? And uh, so what we've, we've seen is, is you know, is, is that, kind of trying to get the whole family on the page. And we've seen it time and time again, where one spouse will sign up six months later, they got their spouse now come in because they're like, what is this all about? You know, they're talking about it at the house, right? Or whatever. And six months later, the, the other person comes in and signs up and starts being a part of this. And then, you know, then it kind of trickles out to their kids. They start bringing their kids to stuff, you know. We did our, our Christmas party, you know, like gym Christmas party uh, last weekend kids were there, you know, and so like they're seeing that stuff, right? So I think the biggest thing is like one one small change can affect an entire household, which is kind of one of our missions. So uh, we've run a kids program in the past. We're not currently running a kids program, but we've run it in the past. And I think it's super powerful to build on that too. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and your kids are 15, 12 and seven years old, and you've been in business for 10 years. Yeah, and, and I'm going to assume that you didn't just wake up one day 10 years ago doing something else and say, you know what, I'm going to open a gym. Right, right. So there was time before that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most likely you spent some time getting yeah. fit, strong, learning about that before you decided to go into business for yourself. So yeah. um, I didn't grow up with parents who even knew that exercise was really a thing. I was the first one to kind of get involved yeah. in that when I was, yeah. you know, very young because I want to be big and strong like the Hulk. We've talked about that before, but your kids, um, the oldest was five years old when you opened the gym then. Right. Right. And so right. 
so the other two will never know a time when mommy and daddy didn't didn't run the gym right right and and the older one might remember a time when you didn't have a gym but he probably would not remember a time when you weren't interested in in being as strong and healthy and and everything as possible so um did, did you grow up in an environment where health and fitness and strength was emphasized or did you grow up more like I did? Yeah, more like you. <laughs> Speak um, no, uh, like I have, um, I have fantastic parents. I love my parents. They're amazing people. Um, and, uh, you know, growing up, you know, we're from South Dakota. So, you know, it's kind of super blue collar, you know, I would say in general, historically people probably ate pretty solid, you know, I mean, you know, meat and vegetables, pretty standard fare, you know. Um, but of course, just like anywhere else in the U.S., it's got a lot of fast food now, a lot of convenience foods and processed foods. But, you know, same thing, you know, I'm, I'm 41, right? So, you know, we're in the 90s, you know, I don't think, I mean, the fitness was around for sure. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I remember my mom doing like Suzanne Summers workout videos and stuff like that, right? But it still wasn't, it wasn't a huge part of my family dynamic. Right. And I don't think, I think my parents are still trying to figure out what it meant to eat well for themselves, you know? And right. so, um, definitely didn't grow up like with that, a big, being a big, you know, forward feature of my, my childhood. Um, honestly, I was in the music industry for all, I'm a, I grew up in a family band. We played music as a family. Uh, and so that's what got me to Nashville playing music. And, um, and you know, I, I, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I grew up in a family band. Uh, we toured and stuff around the Midwest. And uh, and uh, then I went to school for recording engineering. So I was like working in studios. And that's what got me in Nashville, right? And so Nashville moved to the South. I mean, I, I always joke, I, I I got married young. So I mean, I don't know, young. I was 21. My wife was 20. That's pretty young. Um, it's pretty young, I guess. But and then uh, we moved to Nashville. I always joke, like I found sweet tea, which I never had sweet tea before, and uh, like fried chicken, which I'd had fried chicken, but not like it is in the South. And uh, so, and it was, it was all it was game over, man. I just I gained a you know ton of weight. I was just I didn't care about what I was eating, right? Yeah. Or working out or anything like that. It just wasn't on my priority. And it was it all kind of culminated when my my first son was born uh and we had that kicked us down a, a path of like just a little bit more natural living we kind of team my wife and i teamed up with a doula she was kind of a she was more into holistic healthcare and stuff like that and that kind of kicked us down that road a little bit and and, and got us thinking about different things around childbirth and around new children and all the stuff and then that kind of also coincided with my dad having open heart surgery uh, mm. for having disease, having a bypass. And my mom, shortly after that, got breast cancer and had a double mastectomy. And that all kind of happened in a very similar, very, you know, a couple, you know, year or two window. Um, and that was like, you know, like, oh, wow, crap. Like, I should do something. I don't know what to do, but I should do something. And uh, and so that's kind of what got me into fitness. And so, yeah, my kids, have, you know, there was a couple of years before um, I got into starting the gym that I was working out. Um, I, I did like the P90X, like the home workout video stuff, me and a, a really, uh, so Michelle, my wife did it, did it with me and then, but also a really good friend of mine, his name is John Harris. He actually started coaching, he coached for me for a little while and then he started his own gym up in CrossFit Gallatin. 
um, super cool dude. And, uh, um, but, uh, we got into this thing and lost a bunch of weight. Yeah. We're working out and, and, uh, eating better. Right. And, um, and that kind of kicked it off. So my kids have been around that the whole time, man. And, uh, it's, it's really cool to watch because they are, they don't know nothing different than the gym, man. They, right. They're so comfortable in the gym environment. I always joke, like they would interrupt me in the middle. They'd interrupt me right now in the middle of this podcast. They just walk right in here. They'd be like, oh, yeah, where's dad? Yep. <laughs> if they were here, they'll interrupt me in the middle of a class. They'll interrupt me anywhere. Uh, they're just super comfortable here. But it's really cool. We didn't we did not necessarily push fitness onto them in a way like you gotta do this XYZ, but we just live in life, right? right. You know, working out, prepping food, making food. They're seeing it. Right. And now, like my my oldest son is definitely into working out and training and 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 he's getting really fit. And it's awesome to watch. You know, he's only 15, but he's just getting super fit and healthy. And then even my middle son is kind of, you know, starting to starting to get get the itch to work out. So, yeah, yeah. that is awesome. Yeah. Um, So just by you changing. Your your mindset around those things, being triggered by the the literal proverbial wake-up call of health problems with both parents and then of course you know moving into an environment where you know the down south if anybody that 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 doesn't know it when you move to tennessee or georgia or alabama and i'm sure mississippi too if you move down south you are met with the indisputable fact that um mashed potatoes macaroni and cheese and cornbread are all vegetables those are vegetables. All vegetables. You go to a meat and three, that means one meat and three vegetables. You can walk out with that plate. What vegetables you want? I want macaroni and cheese for my vegetable. Here you go, son. Um, and that and 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 which is interesting to me because I think that harkens back to the the old days of like hard manual labor farming and and you know driving nails yeah. by hand construction stuff when when you could you needed to eat that kind of calorie dense stuff. And the culture got built around that, but then the, the labor changed and, you know, you don't need to eat 5,000 calories, macaroni and cheese and fried chicken. If you're sitting at a computer all day and that's, that's your energy expenditure for your job, but uh, kind of went on a tangent with that. So, so you moved, you moved into this environment and you had these um, um, things that happened with both parents at the same time. And it caused a, a trigger and literally a change in values for you, right? It's like all of a sudden this thing that I I kind of knew was there now it's important. I should pay more attention to it. Right. And you and and hats off to you for for saying it's important enough that I'm going to make a change. Versus, well, that's important, but I am the way that I am, and this is how I'm going to be. You know, it's just written into the the cards that right. way. Um, and in doing that, you you've modeled. And obviously instilled into your children these same values, right? Without having to really try is, is the way she yeah. said it. And I think that is the, um, it, I think it's phenomenal, first of all. But I think that that if we look at that as how do we really bring up kids? You know, how do we how do we instill values in kids? We have to live those things. You know, I'm, I'm real fond of saying that do as I say, not as I do, does not, has not, and never will work. Um so aside from this, right. this is where I'm going with this. Aside from physical movement, good nutrition, rest, that sort of stuff. What other values do you aim to instill into your kids so that they grow up to be um, um, better adults 
then and i mean and i don't want to speak for anybody else but one of my core values my mission is i want my son to be a better man than i am and and i would i would hope that every father would aspire to that so um me knowing you i'm going to assume that that's the case for you but uh yeah how, what values are you instilling in, into those yeah. kids yeah i mean that's a great question so one of the things that we established a couple of years ago and it, and it you know it took us a while again i have a 15 year old but you know a couple of years ago i was talking to my wife and i was like what do we what do we want our kids to have to own not not material but like own like in their mind before they leave our house right they're going to leave our house and 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 our level of influence you know as it should right it changes right as they leave and they, and they grow into becoming their own individuals and you know you go to if you go to like social media and watch certain you know just like scroll what what you should do for your kids as a parent good night you'll be depressed because you're like i can't do all this this is a mm -hmm. this is insane x y you gotta get all these things right perfect for your kids right and then you strap on like the the typical cultural weight of like well you got to make sure they got you know great education they get to college and they get this amazing job and they and you paid for all that and you do you know blah, 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 right you know mm -hmm. the list goes on and they played sports and they got perfect socialization and all this stuff, right? And and I'm not saying those things aren't good things to work towards, but it's overwhelming, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to distill it down to like, what do I want my boys to leave my house with? And really, I still done the three things. Uh, and for me, it, so I'm a Christian, right? So I wanted my kids to have some level of connection to a transcendent order and have a relationship with God, Right. And I find that, you know, it's like, okay, understand that the universe and the world is much bigger than you, right? And and, and understand your place in that, right? Um, and so, like, having a relationship with God was an important thing. So when they leave my house, I want them to have that, right? Second thing was, I wanted them to leave my house learning to love the process of learning. Mm. You know, we're, you know, maybe this is controversial. I don't know, but I'm not a huge college person if you if, if what you feel like you're supposed to do and want to do requires a college degree if you want to become a doctor you're going to have to go to college right you're going to have to go to university that's the path right but if you're like i don't really know what i want to do hey you know what walk in what's in front of you hey mm -hmm. what's the next step that you can see in front of you walk in that step but learn to love the process of learning i mean at this point as an entrepreneur I've, you know, people, I employ people, right? I have people on my staff. I, I, I've known people that I've built relationships with over the years. I can't, I could probably list a dozen people right now off the top of my head that are not doing what they went to school for. They're doing something completely different, right? Um, and honestly, I could probably list out more people who are in that boat than people who are 40 and doing what they went to school for, mm -hmm. right? And so I guess my point in this is, is instead of obsessing about getting to college right away, Right, just learn to love the process of learning. If you can, if you can come to a problem in your life and say, oh, "I don't know how to solve this problem, but I know I could find a book, or I could take a course, or I could talk to a mentor or a coach," right, and I could, I can solve this problem. Let me break it down. Let me figure out how to do it. Right, whatever the problem is, if you can, if you have that skill, man, you'll figure it out. Right, whatever, whatever path you end up walking, you'll figure it out, right? So yeah. I want my kids when they leave my house to 
love the process of learning. Understand that I have, if I'm facing a problem and I don't know how to solve it, I can learn and I can, I can read a book. I can do something and can get better at it. And then you know, the last in, thing in, in thinking grow rich, Napoleon Hill touches on something very similar to that. He, um, talks about education and that the root word of educated or educate is, I believe it's educo, which means to draw out from within. And he said, so a truly educated yeah. person is someone who knows how to get what they want or its physical equivalent without violating the rights of anyone else. So it has nothing to do with the degree. It has to do with being able to, to solve a problem. Right. Really. And, and he, um, right. Know, he he recounts a story of uh of Henry Ford who um wound up suing suing a newspaper for for libel because they said he was an ignorant pacifist because he was opposed to World War One and they put him on trial like like he or the, there was a trial and he went in and was testifying and they were asking him all of this mundane trivia and um it, two things that that really struck me about that one is one of the lawyers asked him how many soldiers the British sent over during the Revolutionary War. And Ford replied, I don't know what the exact number is, but I'm told that it was a great many more than actually went back. Which is, you know, that's a, a, an, an ignorant, stupid person doesn't say stuff like that. And the other thing that, that happened is he Ford apparently got tired of, of, you know, just being berated by these questions. He said, listen, I'm paraphrasing this. He says, on my desk, I have a row of push buttons. And if any question comes up about anything that's related to what I'm doing, I can push that button and I have someone who can come in and answer that question. So it's really pointless for me to memorize something that I can either look up or pay someone else to solve. And, and I think that that is, right. that's like, yeah. That's that's the logical conclusion of the skill that you're talking about of loving the process of learning, right? If 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 I can learn, right. if I can learn how to learn, then I can learn anything. So I, I think right. that's beautiful, right? That's just it, and that's you, just it. Yep, exactly. And the the last pillar of like what we're trying to teach our kids is is to take responsibility for their action, you know. Under, and and the, the other side of that is know that you have agency in life, right? Like if, 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 if you don't get a desired outcome or something does, you know, you, you take a test and you don't get the grade you want, don't go and say, oh, it's because, you know, the teacher doesn't like me or because I'm just not smart or just, be, you know, whatever. Understand mm -hmm. like, hey, you know what? I failed. I can take this test again and I can try something different and get a different outcome, right? And so like, so take responsibility for what the outcome is, right? And know that you have agency. I think that's, that's you know, honestly controversial in a lot of ways in our current society, right? But I find it to be empowering. It's empowering when I understand that I can change something about what I'm doing and get a different outcome, right? Like the world doesn't just happen to me. I, I actually can influence the world. And it's like, so, you know, understanding that, you know, in our in our family, if you fail, that's all right. You're okay, right? Get back up. You know, and and understand. There's not. I don't. We don't have any qualms with our kids failing, right? Like, but just understand, you can get back up and try it again, and you can do something a little different and get a different outcome. So for us, those were it. It's like if I my if my kids will leave, 
loving the Lord, understanding the love process of learning, and take responsibility for their actions. If they get that before they leave my house, I got no worries. They're going to crush it. Whatever they go out and do, they're going to do just fine, right? Um, and uh, that really helped us because I was like, man, that simplifies it. Okay, what do I need to get my kids to be able to do? Like, this is it, you know? Well, and the beautiful thing about that is the intentionality behind it um, of deciding ahead of time, okay, this is the blueprint that we want to follow. We're not just going to, you know, haphazardly think consciously one thing, act subconsciously in another way, and just let it all be this whirling massive chaos. Because if you're anything like me, when you, when you decided, okay, these are the things that I want to instill into my my kids because it's valuable to me and I think it'll it'll give them a um a better experience in life. Um if you sat down and wrote those things down like I did, then you looked at the list and you're like, I've got some work to do. <laughs> right? Cuz cuz I've got to be that guy right. first in order for them to yeah, be able to to absorb it. I have to be that guy first. Just like you you and and I haven't either um you haven't deliberately said, okay, kid, you're going to the gym today and you're going to lift, right? My son's five and he, you know, has a couple of, he has a two and a four kilo kettlebell laying around here that are quite frankly, way too light for him now. Um, but he'll go out to where I keep all my gear and he's like, daddy, is this as big as me? And it's, it's the 24 kilo kettlebell. He weighs about 24 kilos. And I'm like, yeah. And he says, I can pick it up. And I'm like, I know you can. And he'll pick it up and set it, you know, deadlift and set it back down. Or he'll grab another weight and say, I can put this one over my head. And I'm like, go for it, dude. You know, I didn't say you're going yeah. to go do this. He's just seen it happen enough. Right. And, you know, I've told the story before, too, about right. the, the nail drive video that's on TikTok. My highest performing yeah. social yeah. media video ever is him doing a feat um, with right. zero hesitation, right. zero reservation. Um, and actually a feat that, right. that stymied me for months. He just grabbed it and went for it. So, um the intentionality of saying this is this is this is who I want my kids to be, or this is this is the framework that I want my kids to grow into. Um, that's a very powerful thing, right. and and I think it's a testament to your attention to um, understanding the power that the mind has in everything, and understanding the power that your thought process, which leads to your behaviors. Yeah has to do with dropping the pebble in the pond and the ripples go out right so i i right. commend you for That's that right. um and and i think yeah, that I, I, I think that when you have people come into the gym that are parents there's no way that they they can't get some of that on them and take it back home too so i think that that what you're doing is incredibly valuable incredibly important for a number of reasons you know as we dig deeper and deeper and deeper but who knows what what kid you know 30 or 40 years from now is going to be doing something amazing physically as an athlete or, or whatever, um, because of some little incident that happened in your gym with a grandparent, you know? So, um, yeah, right. Um, and right. so having legacy, man, legacy. Yeah. And, and so having said that, it, what other, um, what other ways do you think that approaching life from a strength and health wellness standpoint can be used to break and replace those generational cycles of limited thinking, negative thinking, you know, um, 
victim mentality. Like, like, the, yeah, just talk about that a little bit. Like how yeah, how, I mean, I how, think... how strength and health is is a, a a tool to help empower kids that way. Yeah, I mean, I think I, something I think about a lot is legacy, right? Like, and and what are we leaving, right? And and so I I, I find it interesting that like community is such a huge thing, right? Human beings mm-hmm. are so communal creatures, right? And who you're surrounding yourself with will be part of the legacy that you're leaving, and and it's like I think that we. We sometimes miss those moments in day-to-day life and how powerful they are for the kids. And how, how and certainly our legacy isn't all just our children. I'm not saying that. Like legacy is more than just just our biological children, but it's like that's obviously probably one of the greatest things that you'll leave legacy if you have biological children, right? But it, it's like, you know, what are you leaving for for them and, and how are you leading in it? And one of the things that I find is that it's in those, it's in community, right? Which is one of the powerful things that we try to do as a gym. It's, it's one of the things I did not anticipate when we started the gym. I did not anticipate the power of, of a little group of people trying to do the same thing and how that would affect their families and their, in, in their circles. I did not understand how powerful that would be for people. And then it's the day to day. It's the, it's the, simple stuff again come back to the basic stuff you know it's like i think with my kids like it's those times where just kind of candid conversations with them in the gym outside the gym on the way to the gym just living life right sharing my own struggles being honest with them being vulnerable um and then that trickles out it trickles out to our community and that and their and our families in the gym and their kids and and um yeah i think it's interesting because health again back to those pillars that we try to work on is like health is not just you know six-pack abs you know right. it's not it's not just it's not just that it's bigger than that um and when you realize that uh then you i i personally find it more empowering that way but yeah so you're you're you said something a minute ago about talking about your own difficulties or your own struggles with your kids um that sounds to me like you have pretty open communication with them which is wonderful um i'm curious how you how you approach that how you approach having open communication with your kids and talking about um not just you know physical things or what's going on in the during the day but like the deeper level stuff and talking about uh emotional regulation and stuff like that because you know i I am more and more aware as my son gets older and as I study my son and and study what's happening with him so that I can help him navigate that it's we I think as adults we tend to forget how really difficult it can be to be a kid to want to be independent but not be able to 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 have our autonomy you know be delved out to us and yet also be told that we need to be strong and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. And then um, I'm definitely of the generation and, and there's probably some of this too with you, particularly if you grew up, you know, rural and, and blue collar of the, you know, real men don't cry, boys don't cry, you know, so you bottle up your emotions, that sort of stuff. 
so you got three boys you're you're in doing stuff for health and fitness and and all of that how do you help promote that communication with your kids so that they do develop not just strong and healthy physicality but able to regulate manage their emotions and and have empathy and all of the good stuff right. that goes along with that how do you do that right well yeah no i mean i think that that's a great question so you know for me like i i will say like definitely in culturally you know raised in that era of like you know don't cry kind of a thing but individually i had my father and i had some great leaders in my life as a young man who were had a different approach to masculinity or manhood and were much more very very you know not emotional like unhinged but not afraid to cry and, and share struggles right so i had a good i had a good um you know representation i think mm -hmm. i'm just trying to build on that and and my wife and I have just really good conversations with our kids. So a couple of things that we just did intentionally from the get-go when they were little, we didn't make any words weird. Like in that, and that, that comes to their sexuality, but also mm -hmm. just any, any topics, you know, I think sometimes there's deep hidden traumas in our, I'm not sometimes often as parents. Right. And so certain topics just get weird because right. we don't know, we haven't dealt with that. Right. Whether that's relationships as a spouse, whether that's um, money, whether that's like, you know, topics that are in our society and our culture and they're, and we haven't dealt with those topics, um, traumas from our parents, right. Different things like that. And it's like, so for us, we, from the, and I'm, I got my hat off to my wife because she was really, really good at this. Just no topics were weird. We just, if it's, we, we talk about it and, and no, it's age appropriate. Sure. Right. A, a five year old probably doesn't quite understand, you know, things that, that uh, my 15 year old can understand. Right. So, you know, uh, but no, no topics are off balance are off limits. None are weird. We don't make them weird. And some of that is just practicing your 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 game face. So when your kids come straight at you and say, blah, 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 blah. You know, someone said this at school. You're not like, oh, gosh, you know, like, you know, that initial like, oh, I don't want to talk yeah. about this. Right. Um, you know, some of that's practice. Hey, you know, hey, cool. Let's just talk about it. Right. Uh, and so. Do you have specific it, example of something like that? Um, I mean, obviously, like the easy ones come up is like, you know, your, you know, things around sexuality, like come up like that. Probably the easiest things like so-and-so said, blah, blah, blah about this person, you know, and it's like, oh, OK, well, let's talk about that. Right. Those are probably easy examples. But um. Uh, here's a here's a great example you know like when our kids first start going to school some of the families like their parents were pretty heavy drug addicts right and it's like you know oh you know tommy said that his dad is you know is either they didn't know what drunk means they don't even know what drunk means mm -hmm. but they're you know they're five right they don't really know what this means but that his dad is is drunk every night right and and it's like oh okay well Let's talk about that, right? You know, and you know, what questions do you have about that, right? And, and, and instead of being like, oh, you know, we don't want to talk to you know about people who are addicted to substances, right? But I'll give you another great personal example. My my brother uh, who passed away two years ago, my youngest brother. I only have one brother. My little brother. Uh, he he had a big substance abuse issue, right? And he struggled with a lot of substances, 
And we had really candid conversations with the kids when they were little because we shielded them from, not from the conversation, we shielded them from him a little bit because he was, I, we didn't, I didn't feel safe having my kids around him because he was, he had a lot of substance issues and, and, and a lot of things that are associated with that. So we had conversations though, hey, Uncle Ben is not, not doing well. And this is what, what that means, right? Um, and this is why we're not seeing Uncle Ben right now, right? Because right. he's, you know, he's, he's, he's got, you know, some, some things that he's struggling with, right? So like those kinds of conversations, instead of just shielding them and saying, oh, we don't talk about his substance abuse issues, right? Um, so, you know, my kids know, and, and, and that's trickled into them as teenagers. Right. So now they're getting to the age where there's like other teenagers, girls and all that stuff, right? It's like, okay, you know, we, we joke from early on uh, with my boys. I'm like, hey, just, you just, puberty's weird, man. It's a weird time. I mean, like, you know, making, in, not a joke in like making fun of it, but hey, you know, bodies are changing. Everything's changing. Our minds are going all over the place, right? You just trust your parents. We'll guide you through it, right? Don't worry. We'll get you through it, right? And we, we, we still talk about that. And so now it's like, hey, we can have great conversations about these kinds of things. So I think to answer your question, I think we, we from an early on, didn't make any conversations weird, you know. Um, but I don't know if that kind of makes sense. But Yeah, no, it totally does. It totally does. And I, I think uh, I'm, I'm in agreement with that being the, the, the best path to take. It's not the easiest path to take. I think that... Right. that um, well, in the short term, it's it's easier to avoid than it is to to deal with things like that. But in the long term, the only skill that's being passed on there is how to avoid things. And um, I don't think right. you know, that's that's certainly not how I want to to do things. Right. So, um, yeah, I was right, I was right. right. And then, you know, part... go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say part of the other part of it, you know, is like is being being honest and vulnerable with your kids and saying, hey. You know, there, I mean, there's times we mess up, we mess up as parents, right? We, you know, we, I, I'm not, I particularly am not super prone to like anger. I'm like, you know, so I'm not, I, I run pretty cool. <laughs> it takes mm -hmm. a lot to get me pretty mad, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, kids will do it, right? You know, it's like, it's those, those fan, you know, it's just like your spouse, right? It's like your spouse is this great relationship, but they're also the person who can get under your skin, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, it's like kids the same way, right? So sometimes, you know, you make mistakes, you just go and say, hey, man, I shouldn't have done that, right? You know, and and, and being able to have those conversations um, is super powerful to be vulnerable. I think age-appropriate is key, right? Sure. Age-appropriate is, you know, you know, understanding is their learning and understanding their world around them. But that's been helpful for us, you know, and, uh, and, and then I take advantage of the candid conversations, those times where it's like, just in the car, you never know. Yep. Uh, one of the one of the one of the things we do is around the dinner table. We have this habit where we, we this is my youngest son. He started he he got us going on this, but we've been doing this for a while now. Brownies and frownies, man. What's your brownies and frownies? Mm. Uh, and so we share like what's one what's one brownie, which is like a good thing from the day, and what's what's one frowny? What was and we 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 call them challenges. Well, what's a brownie? What's a frowny? Right. Right. And everyone goes around and shares and uh, you know I mean you. Find little ways to nurture those conversations. Um, and man, it's powerful. Yeah, we have we have several different things that we do like that, and and we're not we don't do it every single day, but most of the time, um, 
it, every time we eat dinner at home, we we attempt to do this. When we go out, it may be a little bit more um, relaxed than that. Or, um, but sometimes we've done it in restaurants as well. Is we'll do what we call gratefuls. And each one of us will go around yeah. and and name at least one, maybe three, four, five things that happened today that we're grateful about. And um, um, sometimes my son, he's five, he doesn't want to participate. And we say, that's fine. And sometimes he will initiate the conversation and list off, you know, 10 or 12 different things that that he's grateful about. And so I think that, and that's something that I was never exposed to. You know, I was exposed to, uh, my parents were great. I loved them. A lot of great qualities, but they also were very, um, very caught up in the, this is what the world looks like and let's complain about it. There was a lot of complaining. Um, and, and I don't want that to paint the picture like that's all they did, but I was exposed to a lot of that. Um, and I know that, right, right. you know, and, and, and as I've gotten older and, and understood where they came from, I realized that they, both of them took huge strides in getting away from that just to get us to where we are. And, um, yep. so planting that stuff in their mind early on. And, and I've talked to you about, uh, um, my son when he was on top of the slide, when he was like three years old and he was feeling nervous about coming down and he said, is it okay if I say my, I am, so I told you that story before, right? I think so. Maybe. Yeah. He, well, he, one more time. Cause I don't know if I remember. Um, he was at the top of the slide and he was feeling his word nervous and nervous is anything that that is like fear or apprehensive or uncertain right it's it, um so it's it's more enveloping than just being scared of something it's it's anything that's sort of uncomfortable right. and he's apprehensive about and he's like daddy i'm nervous and i said well okay uh you can do this he said it looks hard i'm like well you can do hard things and i'm like you're, he's like you're right he says is it okay if i say my i ams and like it was it was at this moment i'm like okay there is something to what what I've been doing because, you know, you can, you can do things daily, 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 and not really see it bearing fruit. Just like going to the gym, right? right. Um, you go for three weeks, you're right. not going to see a whole lot of results, but if you go for a year, it's right. going to be there. And he, he has right. a set of phrases that, that before he was even verbal that I would say to him, my wife would say to him, and then he started saying them as I am statements. Um, I'm brave. I'm strong. I'm kind. I'm smart. I can help people. I can do anything. Um, and the, I can help people is one that he added when he got a little bit older, but he, he rattled those off, came down the slide. We high-fived and it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. Um, and you know, it was a, it was very much a lesson for me to see, okay, you're faced with an adversity, you're afraid, but you're capable and you're scared. Do it scared. You're nervous. Do it nervous, but do it anyway. Cause that's where the strength lies. Right. So I think that um, a lot of the stuff that you That's said correct. relates very similarly to to that kind of attitude. So it's beautiful. I appreciate it. Um, we're almost done here. Okay, yeah. Um, I, yeah. What I like to do at the end of these is I like to throw out just some rapid fire questions and then and then we wrap it up. Is that cool with you? Okay. All right. So I'll, I'll um, do my best. <laughs> um, so just whatever happens to come to mind, I'll throw it out there and we'll go from there. We'll start with a with a, an easy one. What's your favorite holiday? Oh, favorite holiday. Uh, uh, Thanksgiving. Sorry, that was blanking. <laughs> That's fine. Um, in relation to to Thanksgiving, what if you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life? What would it be? Um. Ooh. Ooh. 
what if I could eat one thing for the rest of my life, it would be ribeye steak. But that's because I'm just ripping on ribeye steak right now. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, what is the what's a food that you think is just like utterly disgusting and you never want to eat? Uh, man, I don't want to eat. Oh, beets, beets. Yeah, I hate you. I'm with you. It's like, yeah, no. Um, um, I guess to wrap that that whole food topic up, what is a favorite family meal that you guys prepare at home and have? That's like part of your family culture. Do you have Um, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We make uh, this this uh, pasta thing with uh, Italian sausage in it. We're not doing it quite so much anymore, but we used to do that one a lot. It's a delicious meal. And then taco salads. We love taco salads, so that's the one that's a go-to frequently. So very good. Yeah, mm, taco salad. You got me thinking about that now. Um, what's the most valuable <laughs> piece of advice you have ever received as a father? As a father, ooh. That's a good one. Um, oh, I know what it is. Bend the will, don't break it. Bend the will, don't break it. That's what I think the best. That's good. I like it. I like it. And then uh, the the last one's a two part. Are you a Van Halen fan? <laughs> uh, Van Halen, not Van Hagar. Okay, that was the next question. Is it Sammy or Dave? So <laughs> you're gonna go <laughs> raw there. I got it. Got it. Um, <laughs> Um, and since it is holiday season, we're, we're recording this just before Christmas 2023. I, one more that just came to mind I'm going to throw out is what is a cherished family tradition that you want to pass on? Yeah. Um, I think every, every Christmas we go out and we like drive through the neighborhood and watch, look at Christmas lights. That's probably, that's probably a big one. And then, um, uh, we, we, uh, we try to do Christmas movie, watch Home Alone every year. Um, I don't know, just, I don't know why we picked that movie, but that's the one we do. And uh, so those are two like really holiday memories that we try to do every year. That's awesome. All right. Well, anything else you want to throw out to the listeners before we uh, shut her down for the day? No, man, this is super fun. Thanks for having me on Dave. A lot of yeah, fun. And, and if anybody wants to find you, it's CrossFit whole, or wholestrengthcrossfit.com. Is that right? Yep, that's the whole straight across website. That's the Instagram handles. Uh, you can find me personally on Instagram at Ryan Stemper. So very cool. All right, man. Thanks a bunch for being on. And I'm gonna stop recording.